In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, and Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As you know very well, we come here to pray. The priest is the least important of the uh, meditation because it's a job for each one of us, whether we're here with our Lord. And just to think about that. With God Almighty, Jesus Christ, truly present here in the tabernacle. And so it's very logical that we want to come. Perhaps you've made a bit of sacrifice to come here to talk with our Lord for this bit of time. Feel free, of course, to talk to our Lord about anything you want. But we could start as a possible place to start with the psalm of tomorrow's Mass. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And teach me, for you are my God, my Savior. And for you I wait all the day. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and constancy together toward those who keep his covenant and his decrees. A very fitting psalm for tomorrow, which, as you probably know, you know, is the first Sunday of Advent. We begin a new liturgical year. Advent preparing us for the coming of our Lord and the whole liturgical year, which is like a, a reliving of the life of Christ. It's a little dress rehearsal for our, whole, for our own life. Because, of course, this is the meaning of our life to live the life of Christ, to be closer and closer to Christ, to find him as our model, to be one with him. Something fantastic to think about, and yet it is what, it is what our Lord offers us. That is what grace means. You know, that is what holiness means. It means to... You know, put on Christ, as St. Paul says to the Galatians. It is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Imagine that. Imagine that. But of course, we see that when we study the lives of the saints. They all are their own personality, and yet they all are Christ. Lord, that's what we want. You know, that's what we want out of life. If someone asks, you know, what's the meaning of life? Well, we know the answer. The meaning of life is to be one with Christ, is to find him our pontifex, our bridge, our pathway to heaven, to eternal life. Well, what's eternal life? It's divine life. 
It's the life of Christ. The life of God made man. He who is our Savior. He who is our bridge. And so Advent. And so the psalm. The psalm is nice because, you know, it teaches us how to be a good student. You know, it's important that we be a good student. Sometimes when we think of, you know, classes and learning and, uh, well, you're out of school, I think. I think you're all out of school. Maybe, maybe you're graduates. And... Anyway, we're always students in one way or another. And we might think of the qualities of a good teacher. You know, we think of a good teacher. Well, it's one who knows the material and one who's an expert. And besides that, one who can communicate, one who can keep it interesting, and one who's patient and who's, uh, you know, inspiring. And but what about a student? You know, there are qualities proper to a student, too. We are all students. Advent is a time for us to remind ourselves we are students. We are children. We have a lot to learn. We have a long way to go. Each new Advent reminds us that we are really beginning. We're all just beginning. And so it behooves us to be good students. So how do you be a good student? You know, what, uh, maybe you have taught uh, and you know, you know there, there can be good students and bad students. And there can be people who get it and people who don't get it. And so probably if some were to ask you, you know, what it takes to be a good student, you would very intelligently answer, what takes, for one thing, humility. You know, a good student has to realize he is in the position of learning. He's not in the position of being in charge, you know, of saying how things should go, of uh, making the decisions. No, he should listen. He should let the teacher teach. He should rather try to absorb as much as he can <laughs> what the teacher is saying. And that's not easy, you know, that's not easy. It takes humility. It takes a self-abnegation. We all know that, you know, to, to listen, to learn, to listen actively, you know, to listen with, with our ears open. You know, that, that's hard, you know, it's hard. It takes, it takes a kind of uh, determination to absorb and make, you know, uh, retain as much as we can. So it takes humility. Now, it also takes something else, which we might not think of right away. It takes hope. It takes hope. We have to, a good student has to have hope. Like this psalm. This psalm is of a, someone of hope who can address the Lord. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. So it's saying, I can learn your paths. I can learn the ways of the Lord. I can grow to be 
like the Lord. That's great. You know, we have to have hope. We have to be humble, but we have to be hopeful fellows too. We have to have ideals. We have to sense, yes, life is for great things. The greatest thing, to be like God. This temptation of Satan, which ironically was God's idea all along. Yes, we are to be like God. Yes, yes. God is offering us that. But the way is not by rebellion. The way is by learning, obedience. Letting ourselves be one with Christ. Letting Christ love us, teach us, guide us, form us, elevate us. That's what life is all about. It's not about shaking our fist at God, kind of turning away from God. Letting the temptation to distrust God enter in. And so let us here in our prayer as we begin Advent, renew our ideal of wanting to follow Christ. No wanting to let him teach us. Is this important? Oh, it's very important. You know, it's very important not only for each one of us. We're all on this road. You know, but it's important for the world. It's important for the world. We look around the world, the world has a lot of problems, there's a lot of suffering. Everybody kind of knows that the world needs some sort of attention, but then, of course, everybody has all their different opinions as to what to do. People point to suffering, people might even point to God, you know, say, well, God, uh, you know, how do you explain, you know, tornadoes and hurricanes and uh, useless suffering, you know, innocent suffering. Well, of course, is a mystery. But yet we kind of know the answer. You know, we know the answer. And the answer is sin. Okay, we can't connect all the dots. You know, we're not God. Only God knows really how everything is, gets, fits together. But he has revealed to us that it's all caused by sin, by original sin, and then by all these other sins. And of course, sometimes we see it. People can be selfish. People can be arrogant. People can be out for themselves. They can be proud. They can be oppressive, unjust. Well, not to mention lazy, sensual, avaricious. People can be that way. Well, you know, we can be that way. It's not just the other guy. Each one of us, we all are sinners. And so to really change the world, you know, we need saints. That point in the way, I think it's 301. I forgot to bring the way. But, you know, these world crises are crises of saints. God wants a handful of men of his own 
in every corner of human society, in every human occupation. And then regnati Christi Volmos, Christ will reign. You know, if we want Christ to reign, well, we've got to be close to Christ. If we want to change the world, well, that's got to be the grassroots. It can't just be a new tax system. You know, if we really want to change the world, we've got to have Christ reign in souls. Well, then that begins with each one of us. And so Advent is a good time for us to really put there in central place this desire to follow Christ closely. And with hope. It's a big deal. It's a big ideal. But it's offered to us. Christ says, even though it's a big ideal, I will do it. I will do it. Christ will do it. Christ is the one who will make us holy, make us close to him. But we do need to be good students. We need to have these qualities the psalm talks about, of being humble, of being hopeful, of having ideals. You know, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to throw in the towel. You know, But, you know, it's kind of a proud thing, really. It, it, it then gives us a, a card to say, oh, why, why do this or do I do that? Why struggle? Why push myself? Why? Well, because we've, we've been a bit cowards, you know? So let's have hope. Not based on ourselves, but based on God, based on God's promise. This Advent, therefore, is a time for us to really take seriously our ideal and live humility. So what can this mean? Well, it can mean that we're, we, we're okay with, you know, things that hurt our pride. Our biggest enemy is pride. And what are things that hurt our pride? Things that poke our conscience. You know, it's very good for us to be challenged. And so that begins with, for example, having a habit every night before we go to sleep of making an examination of conscience. It's not a requirement. There's no commandment that says we have to do it. But it's a good sign that we have ideals. It's a good sign that we don't want to be proud. It's a good sign that we are not dismissive about our following Christ. So we can ask ourselves, well, Am I proud? Well, of course we're all proud. So, you know, today was I proud. Where was my pride today? You know, we can ask ourselves that in our examination country. Where did I think myself superior to someone else? Where was I critical of others? Where did I make myself, even if it was just interiorly, a judge, of what people were doing, saying, writing my own New York Times little article about you know this thing or that thing. 
maybe even Mass, you know, maybe how the priest was at Mass or how so-and-so uh, was I sensual? Did I put pleasure above morality? Did I favor my own comfort, my own appetites, my own ease above God's will? In little ways, or maybe in big ways, say, you know, I don't really care what God says. Was I lazy? My duty, even maybe my, uh, my responsibilities, maybe even big responsibilities, I put off. I said, well, I don't want to. So, you know, we, we can be fighting, hopefully, in some of these things. And the first good, healthy step is to address them, you know, recognize them. Not put them under a pile of linen, you know, clothes or you know, mattresses or anything. So our examination of conscience is a very healthy thing. It helps us be humble. It helps us fight pride. It helps us not take ourselves too seriously. It's a good thing we might live for Advent. To make this something that helps us raise our vision beyond me to God. Say, Lord, you know, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give myself a bit of a challenge. I'm going to try to work on this or that. I'm going to not just live for today and tomorrow and think the whole world should revolve around me. I'm going to try to live for you. I'm going to try to serve you. St. Cyprian wrote to the uh, people of Carthage, I think, or northern, at least northern Africa. It was in the breviary today, in the Office of Readings. It was very beautiful. He was saying, you know, of course, he's a martyr. He was a bishop and martyr. But he was saying, you know, and it was at the time of persecution. So everybody was probably always fearful of the next persecution. And it was, it was true, you know, they were going to come. But he was saying to his flock, don't be afraid of death. How can you be afraid of death? You pray in the Our Father every day, thy kingdom come. Don't we want to go to his kingdom? Don't we want to reign with Christ and the angels and saints? Don't we want to leave this world that is treating us so badly? You know, he's kind of saying, listen, don't have any fear of death. We, you know, we want to have a kind of sense of, you know, where we're heading, you know, we're we're here for God's kingdom. And so we can, we can have this kind of healthy sense of being a little bit above, you know, the things of every day, you know, uh, having an overarching vision. That can con be concretized in, you know, asking ourselves some of these supernatural questions. We all know that in the gospel, our Lord was asked, well, it's in the gospel several times. I wouldn't be surprised if he was asked that many times. What is the greatest commandment? You know, people were asked, what is the greatest commandment? Of course, we know the answer because we have the gospels. But let us be sure that we have that answer 
deep within us. So that if we were asked that question, and especially if the people thought it was a trick question, you know, you get the idea that they, they actually thought it was a trick question. They thought it was something that was not obvious. I mean, we have to have it obvious to us that the first commandment is to love God with all our mind and all our heart and all our strength. That's what life is all about. Well, then to love our neighbor too, for love of God. Well, they said, you know, his neighbor is ourself. But then our Lord does say, as he loves. And St. John, in his letter, says, to love because, well, they're visible. You know, our neighbor is visible. God's, God's invisible, but our neighbor is visible. We can see our neighbor. It's kind of the proof of our love of God. Well, that's a tall order, really. You know, so in our Kamenic conscience, you know, did I love God above everything today? Well, gee, maybe I didn't, you know. So, well, let's work on it. Was I proud? Was I kind of an atheist? You know, we get, we get these aggressive atheists that write books and everything, but there can be practical atheists. Sometimes they make these surveys and polls and things. And sometimes, you know, true, maybe it's not true, but anyway, maybe it's kind of discouraging that you know, they show Catholics pretty much following the mores of society. Well, come on. You know, we don't want that to be true of us, you know, that our faith really doesn't matter. No, our faith has to matter. People can fall into it being practical atheists. That their religion basically has little influence on how they make decisions. No, it's got to run our life. The love of God has to be first in our life. His word has to be our guiding word. At least, Lord, that's what we want. So, Advent. Advent is a great time to work at it. Examination of conscience. And then the last point of our meditation is, well, predictably, confession. You know, so examination of conscience is great, but it's even greater if it's a preparation for confession. You know, confession is this wonderful sacrament. I don't know about you, I don't know that much about computers, but sometimes, you know, the computer, I, t I tend to leave the computer on because it's such a pain to have it come up and start on all these things and all this noise, what's it doing, you know? But after a while, if I leave it on days and days and days and days, then it starts acting kind of crazy. You know, the thing, it doesn't work right, and it shows kind of things, and it doesn't. So I got to turn it off and let it reboot and get back everything, all the electrical things, back where they should be. Well, that's confession for us. Confessions allow, allows us to reboot. We might be going and going and going, and we, we might get a little off track. We might get, you know, kind of bad habits. We might get, well, see, we got to get to confession. You know, we got to get this kind of restarted, uh, this reorientation of where we're going, get our head back facing forward. 
We can tell our Lord through the priest, I'm sorry for this, pride, sensuality, laziness, these concrete things. And amazing that we hear these words of absolution. God forgives us. Christ forgives us. We get sanctifying grace to help us. Maybe even, God willing, never happens, but we might have even offended our Lord in a serious way. But confession can restore the life of grace to the soul. We get the sacramental grace that helps us in those things that we confess. I was lazy. Well, then we uh, find it easier to get down to our work, you know, if we go to confession. I was proud. Well, we get e it's easier to be humble, to uh, be thinking of others and not just self-absorbed. I was sensual. So then we see, well, creation is God's. I want to have a holy modesty about creation. I don't want to use things in a bad way, in a kind of selfish, kind of possessive, kind of whatever. Wrong way, a wrong way. So we get the grace. We, we come away with this clean sense about us. Confession is great. You know, the better then, if we, if we do have this opportunity, maybe even to get, to get to regular confession. Here, of course, at Skyler, you know, we, in all the centers of the work, we try to have confession very available. You know, all us priests, we're always very happy to hear confession. So, you know, everybody should always feel very much uh, whenever, you know, just whenever you can, come to confession. We offer, of course, after the meditation, benediction. Regular confession, that, that is a great help, just like... Uh, Regular exercise, you know, it's good exercise. Well, it's even better if we get regular exercise. We sort of get into a, a routine, and then we find ourselves being healthier and, and uh, more cheerful, more, with more energy. We have more uh, wherewithal. Advent, a time to reset. A time to put our eyes forward on Christ. He is coming. Time is passing. We want to follow Christ. May this Advent mean a new beginning, a new step forward in this great adventure of following Christ, of growing closer to Christ, of loving Christ, and of actually becoming Christ, of being one with him. We can ask the Blessed Mother, Our Lady, who our Lord gave to be our mother. It was his last gift from the cross. Well, his life, I guess, was the last gift, but behold your mother. Amazing, amazing. I mean, to think of you giving your mother to someone else, you know, saying, okay, you know, now uh, my mother can be your mother. I mean, you say, well, no, no, I, I don't want to give my mother away. Well, our Lord gave his mother to us. So much he loved us. And so much Our Lady loves us. She wants us to be close to her son. Do whatever he says. Do what he tells you. She told the servants of Cana. May she urge us on 
And if we get a little distracted, may she remind us that we are here to love God. And Christ is right there offering us his help, his grace, so that we can love him and be united to him. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.